It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to quantum number 267, which we're going to look at the voice and the question of silencing voices. Quantum is a podcast that looks at news and views and culture and sport and lots of different things from throughout the world. Uh, We do it from a Christian perspective, but it is we are open to all and we value your feedback and input, of which we get plenty. It's great. Quantum goes all over the world. So last week we looked at lies, and this week we're looking at being able to speak or indeed even silencing the truth. So here in Australia, this song made news this week. That's John Farnham's The Voice, and John Farnham has allowed that to be used by the Australian government and the Yes campaign for The Voice campaign. Now, for those of you who don't know, Australia is about to hold a referendum in October on whether to add, uh, whether to change the constitution. It would change it in two ways. The first way is uncontroversial. for most people anyway, and that's to recognise the Indigenous people, the Aboriginal people who've been here a lot longer than everyone else. But the second is much more controversial, and that's to establish a voice. Um, It's unclear exactly what that is, because the government have deliberately made it unclear. Now, in, in a sense, using John Farnham's song, it's a great coup for the Yes campaign, Uh, The Yes campaign has about 10 times the money of the No campaign, supported by all the corporations, most media, politicians, and so on. And you'd think it would absolutely sail through. But at the moment, it appears to be losing. Uh, It's almost uh, a Brexit-like situation. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all turns out. Uh, I'm struggling away trying to understand it. And in fact, The Voice by John Farnham is a bit of an own goal because... The, the, one of the main lyrics is, you're the voice, try and understand it. Well, maybe we'll look at this subject uh, again, because I do think actually it is uh, quite important to try and grasp what's going on and how it, it affects uh, our culture here in Australia, but not just in Australia. But there are voices that people want to silence. Here's the story of Pavi Rasanin. 
Finnish politician Paivi Rosanen has been on trial this week for hate speech and ethnic agitation after making public her belief that marriage is between a man and a woman. Rosanen was tried for violating Finland's hate speech laws on three occasions in a tweet, a 2004 church pamphlet and in a 2019 radio interview. A verdict in the trial, which obviously will have huge implications for free speech around the world, is now expected by the 30th of November. So here to tell us about the trial, I'm delighted to welcome Paul Coleman, executive director of ADF International, who helped with Pivey's defence. Paul, can I just start? Uh, this is not the first time uh, that Pivey has been to court. In fact, she won her original trial and the, uh, the state dragged her back in. Isn't that right? That's exactly right. It was over a year ago that she was fully acquitted in the district court. Uh, the Finnish system allows for a full appeal. So this isn't appeal on a narrow point of law. The whole case is being retried again which now means that it's been going on now for over four years. There's been hours of police... Now, Tim Stanley wrote an excellent article in The Telegraph. Rasanin is a doctor. We've mentioned her here before. She's been an MP for a long time in Finland. She was a former interior minister. In 2019, police opened an investigation into her for incitement against a minority. Um, she had asked, I mean, shocking thing, really, why the Lutheran Church sponsored a Pride event and uh, she had argued in a book 20 years earlier that homosexuality was a developmental disorder. The Finnish police concluded that no crime had been committed, but the prosecutor general decided to charge her anyway. So in 2022, she went to court and she won her case. Three judges, no jury, no witnesses, no victim, but she was charged and the judges decided in her favour. But the prosecutor has brought the case back via appeal. Now, it's, it is unbelievably appalling. Um, she's just citing the Bible. You know, in the UK, a street press was, preacher was arrested in 2019. A Tory councillor lost his job after tweeting that pride is a sin. And a different Tory councillor tweeted his sympathy for both those people and was in turn arrested for an alleged hate crime by the police. Stevens didn't even publicly endorse the theology of either man. But as Stanley points out, he was just standing up for their right to express it. Maybe there's two other things to say about this. The French prosecution said of Rassinin's arguments, the point isn't whether it is true or not, but that it is insulting. I think there are things you will hear on this podcast that some people would consider insulting. If the state is going to have the power to shut down anything it deems to be insulting, then we are left with an authoritarian dictatorship. But that's the way we're going, as we'll see. Now, that's what this week's podcast is about. Incidentally, as Rassanin said in that interview, and again, as always, I, I post links on um, the website www.theweeflee.com to all of this, and it's worthwhile looking at the whole interview that she did on D GB News. But her lawyer said it is the process that is the punishment. She's had four years of this. She's got another three months to wait for the verdict. But here in Australia, we are getting similar. Here is part of a video from the Victorian government. In Victoria, 
The law says, all people, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity, should feel welcome and valued and are able to live authentically and with pride. There are those who believe that being LGBTQA is an illness, a choice, or a disorder. They believe it can be changed or hidden. They believe that things can be done to stop a person being LGBTQA or to fix them. These actions might look like counseling, or they might be disguised as prayer or pastoral conversation that is intended to change or hide someone's gender or sexuality. Some people who believe these things also believe that a person who has a different sexual orientation or gender identity can't also be a person of faith. But we know these so-called conversion practices are deeply harmful. They don't work and they are damaging to the whole community. Victoria's laws protect people's rights to have religious beliefs, and people also have the right to be safe and free from harm. Victoria now has a law against these practices. The Act says these practices, whether done by family members, health professionals or healthcare providers, disability support providers, teachers or faith leaders, among others, are deceptive because they are based on ideas that we now know are untrue and harmful. There's nothing wrong or broken about LGBTQA people. It's damaging to say LGBTQA Now this is concerning their anti-conversion therapy legislation. Now notice what's being said here. There's quite a lot of stuff. What they mean by conversion therapy is counseling prayer or pa even a pastoral conversation that is intended to change or hide someone's orientation and sexuality. Now what that means, if someone comes to me, and let's say they said this, let's say they said, look, Dave, I find myself kind of naturally promiscuous. I just want to sleep with a lot of women. There's a young man who does this. And I say to him, that's a really bad idea. You shouldn't have sex outside marriage. I would be breaking the law. Of course, it's intended for gay rights and so on, but you'll notice how they state everything as absolute certainty. We know, they say. We know. No, they don't know. It's what they think. It's what they want. It's their ideology. But whereas in Finland you can't quote the Bible, in Victoria it's got to a stage where you can't even express an opinion that is different from the fundamentalist dogmas of the political elites. You see, they say in that there's you have the right to have religious beliefs and there's a right to be safe and free from harm. Yeah, but who determines what is safe and free from harm? And so we get to a stage where if you cite the Bible or if you have an opinion that is different from the dogmas of the government, then you're responsible for suicide. And notice how they encourage people to report to them. It is, oh, wow. Um, religious leaders are carrying out an illegal act if they tell people that their gender identity is not real. And if they say that prayers ask for a person to not act on their attractions or talk about a person, person's brokenness or need to repent. The state of Victoria has actually updated their guidance, which says that not affirming someone's gender identity is an illegal practice and 
parents are in danger of losing their children if they refuse to support their child's request for medical treatment. Wow. And religious leaders, get this one, religious leaders cannot talk about sin. So when the Lord's Prayer asks God to forgive us our sins, that, as the Christian Institute has pointed out in their report on this, means churches can no longer say the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation defies the guidance that you cannot pray for a person to not act on their attractions. Absolutely extraordinary. But maybe not. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its scenes while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. Well, I've been doing a, a series of songs, um, looking at, at songs that have a kind of scriptural theme. And Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence does have that. It talks about the, the prophets. The words of the prophets are written on a subway wall. You may think that's a somewhat tenuous connection, but I think it works well with this theme. And we're not going to do Simon and Garfunkel's theme uh, music version. We will do the well-known almost a billion views on YouTube, Disturbs version. Listen to a bit of this. We'll not play it all, but again, I'd highly recommend it. sound of silence there are two ways in culture in our culture which that is being imposed maybe three ways there's peer pressure and so on um, the, the sense of not feeling cool but then there's pressure from government and pressure from political organizations and corporations 
So the pressure from government. This week, uh, I read a fascinating article in Spiked when the, on the sixth points out on the sixteenth of November, twenty twenty two, was the day that freedom of speech died on the internet, because the European Union set up something called a Digital Services Act. And on this, large online platforms like Twitter, Facebook and Instagram have to swiftly remove illegal content, hate speech and so-called disinformation from their platforms or they will face fines of up to 6% of their annual global revenue. That is astounding. The undemocratic European Commission, which is not elected, has empowered itself to regulate content on the internet, including what they define as hate speech and what they define as misinformation. And they're not accountable to anybody. Again, that is dictatorship. People under If people want to understand why so many of us in Britain and the majority of us voted to leave the EU, it's this kind of dictatorial behaviour. But this has implications throughout the world. Here in Australia, the government are trying to introduce a misinformation bill which will have the same effect. And there's a fascinating article, again I put the link to it, from Michael Schellenberger on how um, the Anti-Defamation League, the Centre for Countering Digital Hate and the Institute for Strategic Dialogue in the US, non-government, non-governmental organisations, but they were funded by government to persuade Twitter... Facebook and others, to censor. And they do this, to some degree, by organising advertiser boycotts. So what you've got is you've got big government working in conjunction with the big corporations in order to silence the little people. And they want to silence us about many things. So here's an example. This is from the UK. Uh, you, you, this Well, how can this even be true? But it is. A female retired social worker, age 73, was quizzed by hate crime, crime police for taking a photo of a sticker that said, keep males out of women-only spaces. This was in Happy Valley. Uh, sorry, this was in Hebden Bridge. I'm saying Happy Valley because that's where the series Happy Valley is set in West Yorkshire. The police told the pensioner she'd been identified from CCTV footage. She said she took the photo because she did not agree with, because she agreed with its message that transgender women who were born male should not be allowed into women-only spaces. When she was at home, caring for her seriously ill female partner, two uniformed officers from West Yorkshire Police came calling. She said this, They gave me a long lecture about the sensitivity of the issue and how something like this could cause harassment and alarm to the community. They were investigating as a hate crime, which is outrageous. I was in a state of shock. Now, she says she did not put the the sticker there. So get this. In Britain today, police can come and lecture you for taking a photograph of a poster because it might upset them. Do the police never think that what they're doing upsets communities? But you see, again, it's some communities are more privileged than others. And then this. This is an extraordinary thing. Listen to this. My name's Sarah Jane Baker. I run an organisation called the Trans Prisoner Alliance. 
There's over a thousand transgender prisoners and we're counting on you out here, right? Listen, there are some really bad transgender prisoners. There are. I'm not going to lie to you. But there's about 980 of us who are just trying to live our lives behind bars without testicles in male prisons against our will. Well, I was going to come here and be really fluffy and be really nice and say, yeah, be really lovely and queer and gay. Nah, if you see a turf, punch him in the f***ing face. That uh, someone called Sarah Jane Baker, who's a man, age 54. I mean, the, the newspapers continue saying she, but he's a, ma a man who uh, had served 30 years, get this, 30 years for kidnapping, torture and attempted murder, was given a platform where he said this, punch someone in the face. And that man was found not guilty. If a, a Finnish MP citing the Bible is being accused of hate speech, if taking a photograph of a sticker is a hate crime, how is it possible that saying someone should go and punch women in the face is not inciting violence? Yeah, it's not justice, is it? And then there's something else. Um, Lidge Hodgkinson wrote this in Conservative Woman. Again, the links are there. Um, this is an astonishing case. I'm, I'm, I'm writing about this for Christian today, um, and it should be up by the time you get this, that Peter Wilby, former editor of The Independent and The New Statesman, and a columnist, commentator on politics, education, cricket, current affairs, has been found to be a long-term pedophile downloading over many years appalling images of children being sexually abused. Now, Hodgkinson remembers after seeing his conviction that he had written many articles saying that allegations of pedophilia were often witch hunts perpetrated against innocent people. She says what she now realises is that Wilby was hiding in plain sight. And what really astounds her, what really astounds her, is that his conviction has been so underreported. Why? Why have the Sydney Morning Herald and the ABC and the BBC and the New York Times and The Guardian kept so quiet about this? You know, imagine this had been a right-wing leaning journalist or a clergyman. It would be front page news because it's a Guardian editor. Independent, sorry, for an uh, independent editor. And someone who wrote frequently for The Guardian. Silence. You know, The Guardian is the same newspaper, and these same people, they trashed this. Listen to this. So good. You have been at this for 12 years. My country tis of thee. Why are you doing it? Because God's children are not for sale. It is the fastest growing international crime network that the world has ever seen. For Homeland Security, you know we can't go off rescuing Honduran kids in Colombia. This job tears you to pieces. And, and the 
This is my one chance to put those pieces back together. And yet somehow, you have failed to bring me one real-world lead. It's over, Tim. Close up and come back home. So you quit your job and you go and rescue those kids. That, of course, is the sound of freedom. There, there's something going on. I, in the course of my work, I do get to speak with people from many different backgrounds, including social workers and doctors and so on. And the level and extent and depravity of child abuse in the West and elsewhere is utterly disgusting and nauseating. Yet our police seem more concerned and our judiciary seem more concerned about pronouns than they are about people and our politicians. Honestly, uh, that really makes me feel sick. As Posey Parker said in New Zealand, I'm not religious, but this seems as though there's something demonic about this. Too right. All right, let's do a little bit of world news. Um, just This is a fact. I got I, I, this fact to me just blows so many things apart. It is a fact. China produced more CO2 in the past eight years than Britain has done in all the years since 1750. Wow. Kim Jong-un is planning to travel. He rarely goes out of his country from North Korea to Vladivostok to meet with Putin where they are due to an agree an arms deal. Norway. This is an extraordinary story. Norway is stockpiling grain. It's going to spend $6 million per year till the end of the decade store, stocking up on grain, storing 15,000 tons of grain uh, until 2028 or 2029 because um, of the unrest throughout the world. I think the Norwegians are being wise. And then the Danes are proposing a ban on setting the Quran alight in public after a series of burnings has led to uproar in Muslim countries. Okay, that's just some of the world news. Uh, again, I'm conscious of time, but I'm going to start a, a, a new section in this. Um, do you listen to albums? Because I found myself on Spotify and elsewhere. What you do is you you click through different things and you get lists made for you. But I've started recently listening to whole albums and I found it just wonderful. So um, I'm going to recommend that practice to you if if you're into music. And what I'm going to do each week is recommend an album. Um, Now, watching this on YouTube as well is just incredible. But this is uh, Dire Straits, Alchemy.
And that's a, a live performance part of Sultans of Swing. Again, we don't play it all for you, but the drumming and guitar work on this is absolutely insane. Just wonderful. All right, our country of the week. I'm trying to do that as well. Um, it is this country. More protests in Peru demanding elections and a new government as the cost of living soars. President Dina Boluarte wants more emergency powers. Her opponents want her to quit. The man she replaced, well, he remains in jail. So what's next for Peru? This is Inside Story. That's Peru. Peru is 1,285,216 square kilometers. That's about twice the size of Texas or five times the size of the UK. 32 million people, capital Lima, best known in history for the Incas. 58% are Roman Catholic, 15% no religion, 12% Protestant, 5% other Christian, 5% other, and so on. And again, when I want to get news on a country, I, I find Al Jazeera the most reliable and interesting um, for example, their news on Peru this week, at least four soldiers and two alleged members of the Shining Path rebel group have been killed in a clash in a region of Peru that's known for cocaine production. Eight South American countries have agreed to launch an, an alliance to protect the Amazon, which I think is wonderful. Not so wonderful is that Peru's coca leaf cultivation uh, has now reached a record high. In 2022, there were 95,000 hectares of land, that's 367 square miles, were being used for drugs. And then, this story. Welcome to the program. I'm Cyril Vanier. There's been more violence on the streets of Peru at protests against the government and President Dina Boluarte. Demonstrators want her to step down, a view seemingly shared by many if a national newspaper opinion poll giving her a 12% popularity rating is to be believed. Rising prices, the killing of dozens of demonstrators by troops, and a growing wealth divide are all driving political instability. Ousted leftist president Pedro Castillo remains in jail, removed last December after trying to suspend Congress, which is dominated by right-wing parties. So just how fragile is Peru's young democracy? And can this crisis be resolved? We'll get to our guests in a moment. First, though, Peru's political crisis, it is so important. You know, inflation, a growing wealth divide, and the killing of dozens of demonstrators by troops are causing increased instability. Well, we pray for Peru. We pray for the church in Peru. Um, here is a little bit of music in, that is Peruvian.
That's Andre Roux in Lima doing El Condor Pasa, uh, The Flight of the Condor, written by a Peruvian but made famous in the West by Simon and Garfunkel's song uh, with, of, of the same name. And one of the reasons I looked at Peru is uh, last week we didn't look at the Seek chapter. Seek, for those of you who are new, is a book I've written for teenagers where we have uh, a chapter, a short chapter on a question that a, a, a teenager asks. And this one is entitled Being Patriotic. This is number seven. How did you become Scottish? How do you say hello in Scottish? Can you say they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom? Why was I born as a Peruvian and not in another better country like America? And to answer that, I go to Acts 17. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And I talk about living in Sydney, but being Scottish and being proud to be Scottish. But nationality, it's tied in with birth and parents and so on, and the cultures that have shaped us. But we shouldn't claim that other cultures are worse. And this question came from a Peruvian, so I talk about Peru and uh, the good things that are there in Peru. And we talk about how God rules over every nation, which is just so important. And then there's a prayer and a book list as well. Okay, um, we've also been looking at the top 20 children's books. And um, we'll play this piece of music and see if you can work out what number two is. One pill makes you larger And one pill makes you small And the ones that mother gives you That's Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit. Um, and of course, the book is Alice in Wonderland. Just one of the most incredible books you will ever read. Uh, I can understand why hippies in the 1960s loved it. Uh, they did also love Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, by the way. Um, 
and, and in fact, even when we've been talking about truth, you know, I, I love, you know, Alice's thing, words mean what I want them to mean, which is, uh, I think we're living in kind of Alice in Wonderland culture. Uh, I, I think this book has had a phenomenal influence on popular culture. Okay, um, and if you think you've gone down the rabbit hole, uh, wow, um, someone, some, one of you sent me this, and thank you so much for it. Uh, celebrate the diversity and beauty of plants and fungi with an aspiring new festival, Queer Nature. This is Kew Gardens, where <sighs> this is the queering of everything. This new religion has to come into everything, from the fascinating science behind plants and fungi to the connection between plants and LGBTQ communities. Enjoy this ce- celebratory program. <laughs> wow. Do you know, all things bright and beautiful? Yeah. Uh, the Lord God made them all, but according to Kew Gardens, he made plants queer. Oh, dear. I tell you what, let's just have a little bit of this of a Chinese choir singing John Rutter's version of that wonderful hymn. the time gone it's all gone just a couple of things just a, a wee bit of feedback and by the way if you want to do feedback please do do it on the the amazon podcast and everything else the itunes whatever one you use because um, that does help draw others to listen to it but just a note to say thank you for shining light on the dark places of our world and societies and pointing us to the bright sparks of hope around us and national anthems you broaden my music appreciation and listening skills as well as awareness of uh, world events, indeed. Okay, I always do something on the church. I don't want to miss this. So um, here is Ben Shapiro talking about Oliver Anthony and Joe Rogan. Uh, well, it, it was fascinating to watch him on Rogan because as a, a sort of blue-collar dude, he was able to say some things to to Joe that a lot of people need to hear. Now, you know, I've quoted the Bible to to my friend Joe Rogan before, it has, I think, a different impact when it comes from Oliver Anthony. Here's Oliver Anthony on with Joe Rogan yesterday. You know, like there's there's things it says like, uh, and I'll be very brief with this, I promise. But like one thing, ironically, it's uh, Proverbs four twenty, which I thought you would <laughs> like. <laughs> so if there's anything better, perfect. But, Read um, it. Preach. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Good for Oliver Anthony. Again, this is the part of American life. And he tells his story, by the way, and his story is really fascinating because he basically says that he was 
he was involved in drug use and he was involved in alcohol use and he was basically falling apart and near suicide. And, and then he discovered religion. And just like a lot of other people who have discovered religion over the course of religious history, he then found inspiration there. And within six months, he was writing songs that people wanted to hear. And basically his song is a plea for leave me alone and personal responsibility. That's really what it is. Like, let these people not bother me and let me live my life in consonance with walking in the ways of God. This is the way that America used to work. Our final song is from the Gettys. The Sing Conference is on as I am recording this. I think it will just be finishing or maybe continuing over the weekend. Um, This is their song, Speak, O Lord. We've been talking about the voice. The voice that we need to hear is surely the voice of the Lord as he speaks to us in his word, as he speaks to us through creation and providence. Maybe I hope he's even speaking to you a little bit through this podcast. Thanks to Peter for producing this. Thanks to those of you who support this work. You can go to the Podbean fundraiser um, if you want to do that. Any comments, get back to me. Any feedback, put it up, uh, send it to me. Uh, Theweeflee at gmail.com. And please do review this on your podcast provider. And any ideas or suggestions, we do try and look at the issues that you raise. So God bless you and see you next week.